Hello and welcome to the Aeon Retirement and Investment Podcast. I'm Jennifer Michelle. And I'm John Harney. And this month, as well as covering the usual big pensions news, later we'll be exploring pensions adequacy, equity, diversity and inclusion, also known as EDI, and diving into the PLSA retirement living standards in more details with our colleague, Chloe Ludden. Just before we get into the news, John, I wanted to ask you, what's been the big thing that your clients have been thinking about so far this year? Wow, what a question. Um, 2024, <laughs> is, it's been an interesting one so far. I, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's long-term strategy is what they all seem to be interested in going from from very mm-hmm. different places and, and specific circumstances. But it's thinking about, well, well, where are we going and thinking, well, the world is maybe a different place to what it was when we determined our strategy a few years ago. So let, let's mm-hmm. take a fresh look. So so that's been that's been keeping me busy these days. Um, what about you, Jennifer? I know you, you do lots of interesting stuff on the investment side, so I'd love to hear. Yeah, so specifically within the responsible investment team, um, I'm seeing quite a lot of clients trying to align to their sponsors' climate goals, um, and mm-hmm. I think this is very in line with what we what we discussed as well in in terms of the global pension risk survey results. So, yeah, yeah. that's been keeping me busy and um, yeah, trickling along there. Look, we're always busy anyway, Jennifer. There's always there's <laughs> always something in pensions and investment, isn't there? Definitely. Well, that's enough of our news, um, but let's look at all the breaking pensions news over the month. The Pensions and Lifetime Savings Association, or PLSA, has updated its retirement living standards for the UK. These reflect the recent price rises that households across the UK have faced, particularly in food and in energy use, but also a pronounced need and enthusiasm among the public for more shared experiences beyond the confines of their homes, including activities like eating out and holidays. To illustrate this with some numbers, in summary, within the UK, the cost of a minimum lifestyle increased by 12% to £14,400 for a single person and £22,400 for a couple. The moderate level saw the biggest increases, rising by 34% to £31,300 for a single retiree and increasing by 27% to £43,100 for a couple. And at the top tier, so that comfortable level, the cost of living increased to £43,100 for individuals and £59,000 for couples. These figures relate to regions outside of London and within London, the numbers are even higher. But more on this later from our expert on the podcast. The Pensions Policy Institute have recently released a report called The Underpensioned, defining the gender pension gap. And what we see in this paper is the inequality between men and women's pension outcomes explored. So some of the key findings were that two thirds of pensioners in poverty are women and half of pensioners in poverty are single women in particular. Women's pension wealth reaches 62% of men's pension wealth by their late 50s. And so many of the inequalities which contribute to women's greater risk of being underpensioned stem from inequalities in the labour market and gender divisions of labour, with women carrying out 60% more unpaid work than men and are significantly more likely to be primary caregivers. 
The report suggests that systemic changes outside of the pensions world do remain a challenge. However, pension-specific solutions could be introduced to mitigate the impact on women's retirement outcomes. So, for example, it's really important for women to understand the impact that a career break can have on their pension and find ways to fix this. So one example would be increasing contributions following that career break. Another solution is during a divorce, for example, ensuring that pensions are part of the assets that get divided up between the couple. Following the annual review of the automatic enrolment earnings trigger and qualifying earnings bans, the Pensions Minister has proposed that for 2024-25, these remain unchanged from the previous year. Automatic enrolment obliges employers to enrol all workers into a qualifying workplace pension scheme, where the earnings trigger determines who is eligible to be automatically enrolled, and the qualifying earnings bans determine which contributions are made. The government concluded that as earnings continue to grow, keeping the earnings trigger at £10,000 will maintain current private pension participation at £15.8 million in total. So picking up again on a news item from last month's podcast, under the new general code, your scheme's first triennial own risk assessment deadline will be, and I'll say this slowly as it's one to think about carefully here, within 12 months of the first full scheme year after the 27th of March 2024. So that's when the code becomes effective. So to give you an example, if you have a 31st of March year end, then it applies for the year from the 1st of April 24 to the 31st of March 25, and then you have to report on it by the 31st of March 26. So if you want to start gathering management information through the year, you should start thinking about this now. We actually hosted a webinar about this on the 7th of February. So if you missed it or you want to refresh your memory, there'll be a link um, to the recording available in the show notes. Now, taking on a more international angle for a moment, IBM in the US has made headlines by using their frozen DB plan surplus to fund pension contributions. So up until now, IBM has made 5% matching contributions into its employees' 401k retirement accounts. But starting in 2024, it will pay a 5% credit into a retirement benefits account for each employee. And this is a cash balance plan, and so a type of DB plan. And IBM are constructing this within its existing frozen DB plan. Now, this goes against the general trend of scheme closures and may signal or even actually encourage other sponsors to consider making a move like this one. And finally, taking a look at what's ahead on the horizon. The expectation is that the pensions regulator will issue the final version of the new funding code, the annual funding statement and their covenant guidance over the spring and early summer of 2024. As part of the Labour Party's plan for financial services paper, it's announced that it would undertake a pensions and retirement savings review if elected at the next general election. This would involve working with the industry to ensure that pension savers are getting the best possible returns and to identify and tackle the barriers to schemes investing more into UK productive assets.
So today we are joined for our interview with our special guest, Chloe Lodon, who is an associate investment consultant within our DC consulting team here at Aon. And one particular area of focus within her role has been on retirement adequacy and helping schemes to deliver better member outcomes. Welcome to the podcast, Chloe. Thanks, John, Jennifer. It's a pleasure to be along here today. So, to you both. It's great to have you on. And as we've been discussing in our news headlines, um, there has been some big news recently regarding the retirement living standards. Um, But could you tell us a little bit more, I suppose, first of all, what these retirement living standards are, but also what this increase that we've seen actually means? Of course, yeah. So as you may know, the retirement living standards are a set of targets designed to help people picture the kind of lifestyle they may want in retirement and then assign a figure on how much money they would need each year in their retirement to achieve that standard of living. So the three standards, ranging from minimum to moderate and comfortable, which are based on extensive research by the PLSA and Loughborough University into the building blocks of people's lives. So, for example, the type of holidays you may take, whether or not you have a car, and just general home comforts, which all feed into an overall basket of goods and services. And these recent changes released earlier in February, were part of their regular rebasing, which takes place every four years and reviews the items within that basket of goods to make sure they still align with people's expectations of what a minimum, a moderate or comfortable living standard would be. So this research includes focus groups, the members of the public either approaching or in retirement to understand what is needed, for example, for a moderate lifestyle. And then the overall numbers are then also reviewed in line with any changes in costs since the last review. And the huge headline was this this increase in the amount needed for the moderate mm-hmm. standards, up an additional £8,000 per year for a single person, <sighs> which works out as an increase over, over 30% on the previous figures. But this is not the whole story, and there's plenty of interesting drivers that have led to these headline increases. So... From, from what you're saying there, Chloe, we, we can't blame what we like to usually blame, which is inflation. 30% sounds like something else might be going on. I suppose, do you have anything more from, from under the bonnet on that but to give a bit of colour? Yeah, absolutely. So we've seen the minimum and comfortable standard also go up since the last one, but not by nearly as mm-hmm. much as the moderate has done. So the minimum standard increased by the least at around 12 to 13%, and the comfortable standards increased by around 15 And the reason behind this unequal increase across the standards is that, as you say, this has been less driven by inflation and the rising cost of goods. Although, as you can imagine, rising food and energy bills have contributed Mm -hmm. to some extent across all three standards. But instead, the increase, and particularly at that moderate level, has been driven by changing expectations of what people actually expect from their retirement. So one example is the recent cost of living challenges has led to a greater expectation from individuals to help their friends and families with day-to-day costs, where previously these may have just expected to be contributing to things such as paying for grandchildren's activities, maybe swimming lessons or football training. And now this may include helping family with areas such as food or energy bills. So both the moderate and comfortable living standards now include £1,000 each year for supporting family members. And this is on top of an increase in the monthly monthly budget for food shopping and eating out which again expectations around this have changed in a post-pandemic era and now also includes 100 pound per month to take out friends and family for a meal 
So I won't get into too much more of the detail around this underlying research, but I think one of the key messages around these latest changes is that everyone's expectations of what they'll need in retirement will differ. And so actually the impact of these increases will vary depending on the standard of living in retirement that you're targeting. No, that's really interesting. And I guess it's not just a case of telling everyone to save more um, in their pension, so to speak, which I can imagine can be not a very well received message at the moment um, with the cost of living pressures today. So never mind sort of the retirement side of things. Exactly. And actually, Aon's latest research, our DC Today Pulse survey, has found that more pension schemes than ever are, reducing an increase, are reporting an increase in people either reducing the level of their pension contribution or opting out entirely. So mm-hmm. clearly, now is not the best time to be telling people they just need to save more. It is actually a bit more nuanced than this. So for a couple who are targeting the minimum living standard, following the increase to the state pension, which are due in April, for the first time since the standards were ever released, two full state pensions will now cover and actually exceed the amounts needed for the minimum living standard for a couple. So messaging to members needs to be clear to help people understand the type of lifestyle they want to target in retirement and also to recognise the trade-off between saving more into their pension now and potentially lowering their current, their current standard of living versus having a better standard of living in retirement. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And what can pension schemes do then to, to help? So many schemes actually embed the retirement living standards into member communications, for example. So these will definitely need to be refreshed or updated. Mm-hmm. And our 2022 DC survey saw that 20% of schemes actually measure member outcomes against these standards. But maybe more importantly, we saw the 60% of schemes say they do not they do not know the expected outcome for members. And our 2024 DC survey will be released soon. So it'll be definitely interesting to see how this compares to previous findings. So if you think about retirement adequacy for members, it's not as easy as a one size fits all approach. And it may be more appropriate to consider whether pension support can be targeted to those who need it the most. And thinking back to that point that schemes are seeing more members opting out in recent months, it's also key that employers provide an easy route back into pension savings for those who are currently taking a break. Otherwise, it could be overlooked for up to three years until the next automatic re-enrollment. Um, yeah, three years is, is a long time in retirement savings, Chloe, so, so definitely noted on that final point there. Um, I suppose loads of great ideas. Um, do we have any examples of kind of how schemes have, have helped their members in this area? Of course, yeah. As you say, there's lots that can be done by schemes in this space. Something that we have seen is targeted member communications. So, for example, targeting to a specific subset of the membership who may have been identified as having lower expected outcomes at retirement. And this could be gender or location or any other demographic, really, of the membership. Another example would be to look at scheme design and how this can help members to improve the likelihood of adequate retirement outcomes. So, for example, reconsidering the default contribution rate for new joiners to ensure that new joiners into the scheme can maximise company contribution rates. And it may be the case that there's not a need for any changes to scheme design, and it might instead be the need to signpost members to existing support or increasing member engagement around contribution rates specifically. So again, looking back at that targeted communications, we could maybe try and 
improve the take-up of employer matching contribution rates and identifying members who aren't already doing so. And then a final example would be to provide support for those who are approaching retirement, where these members may not have the time to increase their savings. They could only be a couple of years out from retirement at this point. So the focus then would be to make sure they get the most out of their savings they've already built up. So for example, providing access to an independent financial advisor or providing education sessions to make sure they really understand their options at retirement. Chloe, it's been a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for for coming and, and talking to us today. Great, thank you for having me. That's all we have time for for this month on the Aon Retirement and Investment podcast. You'll be able to find links to everything we've discussed today down below in the show notes. And if there is anything you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please do get in touch. We're both really keen to hear from you and your ideas or anything we should cover. So please do contact us. You can find us on LinkedIn or you can email us at talktous@aon.com. And if you've enjoyed the episode today, please do be sure to subscribe, share it with your friends or even leave us a little podcast review on your chosen podcast app. So we will see you next month for even more pensions and investment news and views. Bye for now.